0: Welcome to the Uncovered Legacy Podcast, where storytelling is not just left at the kitchen table. Many of us walk through life leaving a silent legacy, but I am here to change that by keeping those stories alive. Each tale will allow us to learn, discover, listen, and remember. I am your host, Curtis Burke. Thank you for listening. Creative director, artist, and creative writer Albert M. Williams is making a mark in Washington, D.C. and across the world. Born on the 11th of May on Mother's Day in Clinton, South Carolina. Also known as Vision, he is his second of four children, and he is reared in the home of his maternal great-grandmother, Catherine Metz Williams, in South Carolina. He is a graduate of Clinton High School. He received his bachelor's from Benedict College in Columbia, South Carolina, in mass communications He has a master's from the American University in marketing. Vision is heavily influenced by his Nigerian heritage, which is vividly colored paintings and prints capturing the native wear, the West African tribe known as Igbo. He is an historian by nature and that influences his clear in his artwork. In 2010, he created a 300 foot wall that was used in the Easter play at his home church at the Antioch AME church in Clinton, South Carolina. In 2015, he designed a hundred foot mural for the entrance of a local store in Charleston, South Carolina. The painting was created with the community in mind after the shooting that took place at Mother Emanuel AME Church in Charleston, South Carolina. Welcome to the show, Albert.
1: Hi, thank you. Thank you for that warm welcome, Curtis.
0: No problem. Thank you for coming on Uncovered Legacy today, Albert, also known as Vision. The reason I brought you on today is because I call you, as you know, my DNA cousin. (laughs) <laughs> and we are cousins and we actually have a lot in common dealing with historical factors in our family history. And we found each other on Ancestry and have over the years stayed in touch and have been in this grind of finding out our heritage and our family heritage. And you being from Clinton, South Carolina, and my mother being from Clinton, all of my mother's side is from Clinton, South Carolina. I thought that was interesting And the fact that you went to school with some of our cousins, which we can also talk about today. Welcome to the show.
1: Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's very interesting that you say that I went to school with some of our cousins because they were some of my good friends. And unbeknownst to me, I didn't know that we were blood related.
0: (laughs) Right. Whitney Clark, uh, my first cousin, (laughs) which I find that very interesting that you guys were best friends and did not know that you were blood related. We had no idea, but I guess our
1: spirits connected. (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) I mean, that's one thing about living in a small town in Clinton. A lot of times you are related to people with everybody's one cousin away or married to somebody's cousin. So it's a scary thing, but it's a beautiful thing at the same time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Small town for sure. Um, The population currently is about (laughs) 8,000 and some neighborhoods are 8,000 here in D.C., (laughs) So everybody knows everybody in Clinton. If you don't know the person, then you know their parents, you know their grandparents, you know their uncle, someone.
0: How did you feel when I reached out to you on Ancestry and then we found out so much that we had in common?
1: I felt accomplished. The reason I say that is because as you already know, like when you're searching on Ancestry or any other platform, sometimes you won't get a response at all. And sometimes the response will lead to a dead end. Mm-hmm. So um when you reached out and I found out that your, your grandmother, your mother, your uncles, your entire mother's side was from Clinton, the place where I was born. They gave me hope and encouragement to continue to search.
0: Yeah, I thought it was divine intervention. I mean, like you said, there's so many people on there. You have hundreds and hundreds of fourth cousins and third cousins who you don't know. But I don't know what made me reach out to you out of all the people and that you replied back and that literally we could have met over the years.
1: Yeah, it was, it was definitely great. And like just talking to you over the years about, okay, so what's your grandmother's maiden name? Like mm-hmm. what church? And then even finding out that your grandmother's church is also my great grandfather's church. Catherine, who raised me, her husband's is his church, like Mount Pleasant AME, which was your grandmother's church. And it's just mm-hmm. like the small pieces that are like of uh, the puzzle that are coming together just by communicating over the years.
0: Yeah. And you also say that I, I know you were reared by your, your great-grandmother and she didn't know my grandmother, but she knew my grandfather. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. Um, so your grandfather is kind of a legacy in the, in the small town of Clinton <laughs> because he was the only taxi cab service in the town, probably in the entire Lawrence County. <laughs> mm-hmm. So anyone in Lawrence and Clinton, Cross Hill, Cross Anchor, like Great Court, Joanna, all of those small towns, like, they probably experienced your grandfather's service. So anytime someone talks about Clark's Cab, then they know him with Clark's Cab, they know his wife, they know all of this stuff because it's a small town.
0: Yeah, I mean, I do feel like in a weird way, he was a small celebrity there, Clark's Cab. I remember every time when I would come there for Thanksgiving to Clinton, it was like a trip for me just to ride with him and pick people up in his black car. <laughs> and I felt like it was a field trip, just being in the taxi cab. Yeah. It didn't feel like a taxi cab. It felt more like an Uber ride or, you know, a luxury vehicle, which you would say today. It didn't feel like your stereotypical taxi to me.
1: Yeah, that's true. It was definitely a hospitable experience. It's funny that you say Uber because I went home recently and I flew. So I tried to get an Uber and there's no Uber service in It <laughs> Might be one or two Ubers, but <laughs> well, that's
0: why they need Clark's uh, taxi cab to come back. Uh, that's true. On- yeah, he loved it. George, George Clark is my grandfather. So yes, shout out to Clark's Taxi Cab. So how was life in Clinton for you?
1: Um, sure. So life in Clinton for me was, um, it was interesting. You know, the old, like the African proverb takes a village to raise a child.
0: Mm-hmm. And that was
1: pretty much my experience in Clinton. My parents separated when I was 11 years old and my mom, she forced us to go to therapy so we, um, I'm this 11-year-old kid in therapy like talking to this grown person about how I feel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I instantly had to communicate what was going on inside of me. But long story short, I ended up relocating with my great-grandma, my granny, Catherine uh, Williams, who reared me and who taught me basic necessities like how to survive. So I lived with her for a long period of time up until high school. I'm the only grandson on my father's side. So I spend a lot of time with my grandparents, the Sturkeys, and my grandfather, Albert Sturkey, whom I am named after Albert, of course, he was the first black superintendent in Clinton. So a lot of people know of him as well. And as Clinton being a small town, like if you mention a the Sturkey, then nine times out of 10, they probably know the grandma, the grandfather. Mm-hmm. Wow. And
0: that's your father's side. I believe I've seen you taking a picture at his gravesite. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, potentially. So I, I'm kind of weird as it relates to graves because I'm a historian by heart. So when I go to a, a cemetery, I look for names. I look for where the grave is located, because that's going to tell me whether or not the person is related. I look for whether or not they were in the military. Like, for example, my, my great-grandfather, Catherine's husband, was in World War One, but I didn't know Like because my family never talks about it. But when I went to visit his grave at Mount Pleasant and church, like he has he was in the air force and there's a flag beside his grave. So like just finding that information at the grave, I then went back to Ancestry and I found his military records. I found like all of this stuff that I would have never been able to find if I weren't like at the grave site.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's talk about Mount Pleasant AME Church. Um, okay. I mean you you've helped me enlighten me on a lot of the history. And when I went back a couple months ago to Clinton, to see my grandmother, I did not realize how many Johnsons were buried at that church. I mean, it's literally, I saw like my great grandfather, my grandmother's father was buried there. My, my grandmother's sisters were buried there. I mean, it was just cousins and the Johnsons are all over the cemetery. And you told me that about it. I didn't even realize it.
1: Yeah. But because of the, the cross Atlantic slave trade, um, we unfortunately have been spreaded across the entire globe and the only thing that connects us to our past sometimes are tombstones Mm -hmm. especially in the south in clinton south carolina where people don't leave Mm -hmm. it's so easy to trace back our identity our heritage because you have four five six generations that have stayed in the small town Mm -hmm. where like you can find out like Parents are buried there. Grandparents, great grandparents, great great grandparents, and like you mentioned, like the Johnsons are all buried at the same place. And you can find your grandmother. You see her parents. You see her cousins. Like all of those people are all related. And in a sense, the African American experience in the United States, when we go to grave sites like the one at Mount Pleasant and like the one at my home church, Antioch A.M.E., we find names that we heard of before, and now we see the story with the name. And it kind of, in a sense for us, becomes our live experience of what Ancestor provides online. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I I agree. And I felt like a spiritual movement or something going through me. It was like all the ancestors were there. And, Mm. you know, our generation now, we we move so much. But like you said, everybody stayed in Lawrence County or Newberry. Nobody moved more than 30 minutes away in, in most cases and it's just generation, generation. It's an almost, it was embarrassing for me because I didn't know any of this. I wasn't aware or exposed to any of this growing up. I probably heard of it, but how often did I go to graves and I wasn't raised in Clinton?
1: Mm-hmm. See, I think that's an advantage that I have because mm-hmm. I, I live with my great grandmother who was born in 1926. And because I lived with her, and she was older when I lived with her. She was at least 75, 76, 77. She had all of these photo albums and all of these obituaries that she would pull out and she would show me as an 11-year-old. So this is my grandma. She was born in Richmond, Virginia. And like recently, I the last time I went to Clinton, I drove. When I drove back to D.C., I stopped in Richmond, and I saw her grandmother's grave for the first time. So I understand what you mean when you say you feel as if the spirits were there with you, because I, I journeyed to see her grave and I felt the connection, like although I never met her physically. So, so that, that's a beautiful thing and a beautiful feeling for sure.
0: I almost feel like they have made me and you on, on a mission together to, to uncover their legacies and uncover who they were, the good and the bad, and just give them acknowledgement
1: Yeah. And I think um, acknowledgement of who they were and who we are currently, because we are a combination of everybody before us, is important. And when we look at the history of Clinton, the black history of Clinton, we try to search it online. It doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. Um, When we look up the history of Clinton, we'll see all of the stuff about Europeans who eventually settled in Clinton. But we don't see... The Cherokee indigenous people who originally Mm -hmm. occupied that space. Right. We don't, we don't see, um, like the people who, who slaved in Clinton and who were brought to Clinton from Philadelphia and from places like Nigeria. We don't see that online. So it's extremely important that we document this stuff. And I'm very excited that you're doing it. And, and I commend you because a lot of people talk about, I want to do this and they don't, they don't get it started. Mm-hmm. And not only did you get it started, but you're continuing. So it, it's it's definitely an amazing thing, man.
0: Thank you. I I appreciate that. I'm I'm definitely trying to um, stay focused and keep the charge forward with this. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. And like another beautiful thing about living with my granny is she told me stories about the good things and the bad things. Mm-hmm. So one thing that I remember, a uh, story that I remember her telling me as a child. Is the story of Miss Martha Dendy's son. So the reason Miss Martha Dendy's name is prominent in Clinton and the surrounding areas is because it was a middle school that everybody went to in Lawrence County. <laughs> but the middle school got its name from her son Norris Dindy, who was unfortunately lynched by um, the KKK in the Clinton City Police Department in 1933. Wow. Um. So my grandmother told me bits and pieces of this, but because I remembered her story. I was able to Google and I actually found the court case, and it went back to a time where Clinton was just different mm-hmm. um, prior to, prior to this event, and it's something that I want to continue to research and continue to um, uncover myself.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you know how old he was when he was lynched? Approximately,
1: I do. He was thirty three years old, and he was lynched on the fourth of July, nineteen thirty three.
0: Jesus's age, yeah. yeah. thirty three.
1: And the reason he was, and it's, is very interesting. He, he's from Clinton, their family's from Clinton and respect to the Dindy family. Um, their family's from Clinton and he went out to law school. He came back home after the law school because he wanted to stay home. And during this time in 1933, most of the, and as you know, when you, when you visited Mount Pleasant, it was a drive away from downtown, right? Absolutely. Um, all of the black African-American churches are in the country they're like the the countryside the reason why is because black people weren't allowed to live in the city limits prior mm. to 1933 so in 1933 when Norris came back home from law school he purchased land and he built the first the largest two-story house on Adair Street in Clinton and uh, let's just say the European Americans who settled in Clinton were furious in for and go over no, it didn't go over well because not only did he built this house here and gentrify the area, he also purchased a 1933 pickup truck that was almost identical to his neighbor's truck. And that's mm-hmm. where the argument started. And it went from a fistfight to unfortunate death. Um, so when you visit anyone who visits Clinton, you'll see Dindy everywhere. You'll see Martha Miss Martha Dindy School. You'll see the Dindy, Um Learning Center. You'll see Friendship AME Church, which was the first black church to move from the country to move to the city limits because it was Martin Norris Dendy's church. And oh. they sued They sued the city of Clinton. They sued Lawrence County, the state of South Carolina. They won the cases. And then they moved their church to the city limit. So there's tons of history that's untold.
0: That's interesting because um, my cousin Jared, when I was there, when we went to Mount Pleasant, it was in the back of the woods. I mean, Clinton is Clinton. It's a country, small town, but it mm-hmm. was literally... I felt like roads on top of roads and it was like the backwoods. And I yeah. was wondering why it took so long to get there. Not not that Clinton takes anything long, right? But mm-hmm. it was like, it felt like we were going down back roads. And I never knew that's the reason why these churches were not the outskirts of Clinton.
1: Yeah, and
0: absolutely. In areas that are undeveloped. I don't even know if it's called Clinton or what city limit it's in.
1: So it is officially now it's a part of Clinton. It used to be called Reno. Yeah, And I have a second cousin who is a fire chief, Chief Price. When I go to Clinton, he talked to me about like what used to be here. So that experience is always good. And you mentioned Mount Pleasant. And I don't know if you saw, but in front of Mount Pleasant, there's this gigantic cast iron bell. Mm -hmm. So this bell used to be on the slave plantation. And it was the bell that used to be used to call in the slaves. And after slavery, Uh, they shifted this bell to the church. And now this bell is used for funerals, is used for weddings. And it used to be used to ring whenever it was time for service. But now they don't use it for service because everybody drives to service and nobody really lives around the church anymore.
0: Hmm. That would be cool if they would still use it, I guess. But I guess they figured nobody's going to hear because everybody has cars now. (laughs) Yeah. So... (laughs) Versus the farmland, and you know, it wasn't like you had cell phones back then, so the bell was probably the best thing to let people know that I, I did not know the historical fact about the bell. I, I saw the bell, but I didn't. I didn't realize that. Thank you for sharing that.
1: Here, you're welcome. Every time I go home, and this is a little mischief, but I I ring the bell.
0: You do. <laughs> I
1: do. Wow. And
0: it's also interesting that every time I go to Clinton, I think about the railroad. I don't know if you think about it, but. That the railroad that goes through Clinton is literally on, on Gary Street, the mm-hmm. same street as my grandparents' house. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the railroad? I know you mentioned yeah. some history before on it.
1: Yeah. Um, so I guess the beauty and the, the con and the pro about the railroad, I'll start with the con, is that – well, I'll start with the pro, sorry. The railroad through Clinton, it used to be called Five Points because Clinton represented like five intersections through major cities, Atlanta. Columbia, Greenville, like Charlotte, all of the the city surrounding. So it was a destination to stop, to lounge, and then to get on the train station that used to be housed in Clinton. So prior to, and this all ties to Norris Dindy. Um, So during Norris Dindy's death, like Clinton stopped growing. People moved out of Clinton, both black and white, because there was so much racial injustice and unease in Clinton after this. So Clinton never grew after that. Like Clinton was booming. Clinton had cotton mills. It had plants. It had all of this stuff. It had one of the major railroads where you can catch the train. You can go to DC. You can go to New York. You can go to Charleston, South Carolina. You can go anywhere from Clinton. So the railroad was a major, major, major business in Clinton, South Carolina prior to 1933. And like after 1933, the railroad is still there, but trains don't stop in Clinton anymore. They just Mm -hmm. go past. And when I was in Clinton, I had like i forgot that i had to stop for the train um not that i kept going but when i was driving in clinton like it just reminded me of like being there because when you hear the train coming as a child what we used to do is we would take pennies or coins. i did
0: that yeah <laughs> did you <laughs> i that was sorry to cut you off but i no that was my favorite thing we would get our quarters and yeah. pennies and i would tie them on on the, the railroad and and they would be like pancakes afterwards. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. So I, I just remembered that experience. And most of African-Americans actually build the railroad system in the United States. It was considered their punishment. Like um, mm-hmm. instead of going to prison, they would be on what was called the chain game. Mm-hmm. And they would be tied. Like, have you seen the movie Life? Yes. Yeah. So very similar to that. While they're serving their time, they would have to build the railroads in chains So when we see the railroads across the entire United States, it connects all the way from Midwest to where you are, all the way to East. And they were built by most of us.
0: Ava DuVernay talks about that in um, the 13th Amendment also about Mm -hmm. the railroad. And it's not, we're we're not a slave, but you're an industrial, what is it called when you're a servant? (laughs) Servant, pretty Mm -hmm. much. And how black people pretty much had to build the railroads. Wow. Yeah, Um, as far as Clinton, I I know you attended Benedict College. What what made you attend Benedict College? Another historical Black university.
1: Wow. So I, as you asked me that question, I remember the exact day I knew I was going to go. And so, if you're from Clinton or if you visit Clinton, you know that there's not many of us there. Mm -mm. And what I mean by us to anyone who's watching this, no matter where you're in the world, I mean African Americans, Black people. So. The same thing reigns true at my high school. Like I had a high school teacher who was my math teacher that I didn't even know was my cousin until after I graduated. And I'm sure that she knew, but she just wanted to keep it separated. I also had a high school guidance counsel that I didn't know that was my cousin. But anyways, my high school guidance counsel, she said, Albert, you're going to get out of Clinton. You know, high school GPA goes to like 4.2. So I graduated with a 3.8 GPA, and I was number 21 in my high school class. I mean, I really didn't take academics serious. If I took it serious, I would have probably been higher. But, anyways, long story short, she had me apply to all these HBCUs everywhere. Like Benedict, State, Howard. I was on the waiting list for Howard. I was on the waiting list for State. And Benedict at the time, I'm not sure about now, had an open enrollment, so they accepted anybody. So I ended up going to Benedict and my experience at Benedict was amazing because pros and cons of course I missed home cooked meals as a disclaimer I had to live in the dorm and I was introduced to the dorm life um sharing showers and all of that wasn't a great experience but mm-hmm. being around influential black people was a great experience like just seeing black people lead outside of church Antioch there were great leaders at Antioch there are people who are entrepreneurs who you have the black doctors one of the only black doctors in Clinton who was a member of Antioch. You have salons and the only black car dealership who all members of Antioch. So I saw the business aspect my entire life, but seeing the execution, I didn't see it for the first time until I went to an HBCU Mm -hmm. and it changed my perspective on life. My HBCU experience landed me in the position to speak to anyone all over the world. And in fact, I have. Like I've gone to Germany, of course I've gone to Nigeria. I've gone to Dubai, and like when I performed like conferences there, I was able to do it because of my HBCU experience and because of my African Methodist Episcopal experience, which is AME. So I, I don't take anything back from those experiences.
0: And how did your artwork, your paintings, come into play? <laughs>
1: Um, I'm laughing because I initially started drawing in first grade. <laughs> so believe it or not, I always have had like a sarcastic mouth, even as a child. And it got me in trouble as a child. <laughs> <laughs> I was in first grade in Miss Patterson's class and she said something and our, I said something out loud and the entire class laughed. So she pulled me back to, she called me up and she told me I needed to go to the back of the room To So in the South, we have what is called a nanny inside of the classroom. So Granny, we called her Granny Turner. This had to be 1993, but we call her Granny Turner. and She was in the back of the class and I had to go sit with her. So while I'm sitting with her, Mindy, who is now a high school teacher at Clinton High School, was my classmate. And she brought the crayons to me with a paper at the direction of the teacher, Miss Patterson. And instead of writing, coloring on the paper, I chose to use the crayons and make a masterpiece on the floor. So that's how I started painting and drawing. Long story short, I was called to the principal's office and I was met by Paddle.
0: Good old Paddle. Welcome to the South. Huh? <laughs> I think that'll scare some people on the West Coast. I, I think they stopped paddling when I was in the first grade in Charleston. But wow. clearly you guys <laughs> went a little further in Clinton, Lawrence we County. Did. <laughs> yeah, so we your did. your artistry also I think I know that's why they call you vision is is one of the reasons, correct?
1: Um, it is one of the reasons, but even more profound in art. When I was a kid I would have dreams and I still have dreams now. But the dreams that I have, like when I have the dream I can see what's going to happen. Like I see Mm -hmm. the person in the dream. I can see the place. I see the colors. Everything is so vivid. So that's where vision came from. And it also plays in my art. Like when I want to paint something, I think about it in my mind. And then I just go and I paint it. And Mm -hmm. then it comes out exactly how I saw it in my mind. So that's where vision comes from. Well, you've painted several murals
0: and beautiful paintings, but I want to focus on the 2015 painting that you did for the Mother Emanuel Church in Charleston.
1: So um, this is a little touchy for me. The reason why is um, I was living in Charleston, as you know, during this massacre, and I was late coming home from work and I wanted to go home instead of going to Bible study. So I, I, I ended up going home. And while at home, I turn the TV on and I see Mother Emanuel shooting all over the news on every channel I turn to. And I lived on King Street. The church is off of Calhoun. So I, I, I ran out of the house in disbelief and walked down to the church and, and I see everybody everywhere, like so many different emotions going on. Um, people crying, people yelling, people cursing, people praying, people singing. I see everything and like I'm in disbelief. So the very first thing I could think of, let me call Tawanza. Tawanza was one of my, one of my good friends who invited me to the church service. Like, where's Tawanza? Where's Tawanza? He's not picking up. He's not picking up. And now Mm -hmm. I hear someone crying, Wanza, Wanza. And Wanza, unfortunately, was in the church and one of the persons who, who passed away. So, um, following that massacre, a lot of things occurred but most of the things that occurred were peaceful what i mean by that is that people were singing people were dancing praying all of these things and there was an opportunity for me to paint a wall and i didn't want to paint the wall by myself so i called some people that i knew that were also artists and i told them that this is what i have in mind and this is what i want to do so we all came together and we collectively painted the wall that's still there that probably needs touching up now (laughs) um but yeah, um, so so, <sighs> Sorry, that's a little touchy, brother. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but and he was your barber, correct? Yeah, Tawanza was my barber, my good friend, and he he was also a writer too. So he was talking about working on all of these different projects. He went to an HBCU too. He went to Allen. I went to mm-hmm. Benedict, and as you know, Allen is right across the street from Benedict. Mm-hmm. So yeah he was my barber and you know from the black barbering experience while you're oh, sitting yeah. in the chair you're talking about it, everything under the sun so
0: that that is our therapist <laughs>
1: absolutely
0: <laughs> wow that's crazy that you you know it's i'm glad that you weren't there but just think if you had gone there that day for bible study
1: yeah i i don't know how it would have turned out but um ironic as the sounds it was it was god's plan for me not to be present so
0: yeah so how does that make you feel knowing that you have left a mark in Charleston with the mural?
1: So I when I was a child um, it seems like everything happened when I was 11. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the The pastor at the church, Antioch at the time did a sermon in 2001 August of 2001 on the subject of what is your purpose? Like, what is your life destiny and things like that? And I didn't know. So I went to him after the service and I asked, how do I know my purpose in life? And he, he told me that I need to pray and, and ask God. And that's what I did. And my purpose was revealed, not that day during the prayer, but over time, that my purpose in life is to inspire everyone, everywhere I go. So um, going back to the art, that the reason I create art is because I want to inspire. Even years after I'm gone, my art is still going to be present. And Mm -hmm. the reason I I incorporate blackness in my art is because I always wanted to tell a story. Like when someone sees it a hundred years from now, when they read the title, when they read the bio of the art piece, it's going to tell the story of who we are and our identity is going to continue to live on through
0: the vision. And you also took the ancestry test. I know that you decided to go to Nigeria as well. How was that experience for you being a black American going to the to the homeland? Because I've heard different experiences from people like they have like an out of body experience when they land there. It's almost like you're bringing the ancestors back to their homeland. I don't know if you experienced that or not. I don't want to put that on yeah, you. If you did
1: understood. <laughs> so I have chills now um, because I, I've never publicly talked about my experience going there. I did take the DNA test as a disclaimer prior to going and I did this in Charleston not even knowing that I would have the opportunity to go that same year. So um, in 2015, after the massacre, I didn't want to live in Charleston anymore because every time I turned around, it reminded me of Mother Emanuel. So Mm -hmm. I ended up relocating to Washington, D.C. And when I relocated to Washington, D.C. at the time, um, I took a position as director of career services at a, a school that had international students. And unbeknownst to me, I would be traveling to Nigeria in October. So when I got to Nigeria in October of 2015, the first time I went, I felt like I was finally home, Mm. (laughs) Um, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I felt so connected and everybody was speaking pidgin English, which is like broken English. And I understood it. I understood it like fluently. Like when people spoke Igbo, maybe I didn't know exactly what it meant, but I responded as if I knew. For instance, I went to a village. I'm in Igbo land, and while at the village, this guy, and I never talked about this, but this guy, he, he had a stick, this older man, and he hit his stick three times, and when he hit his stick three times, I greeted him, and he was like, uh-huh, and, <laughs> like, what I now know is that when a Nigerian and most West Africans say, uh-huh, like, correct, you did it right. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> and while there, I had so many dreams, and one of the dreams... I woke up from the dream and I actually began to type, and that's a project that's gonna unfold itself in the near future. It was just an amazing experience from the food, from the culture, from the hospitality. My experience, I I wouldn't take it back at all. I made so many connections with people who I'm still connected with now. And I've traveled to Nigeria three times now, and every time I go back, I go to these people's homes and they cook for me, and and it's just a, a royal treatment something that i took away from the first experience was seeing black entrepreneurs seeing black excellence everywhere Mm -hmm. if you're from nigeria if you've been to nigeria if you know of nigeria nigerians are hustlers Mm -hmm. by nature Mm -hmm. every nigerian has a business every nigerian has a side hustle every nigerian is not a stranger to work And when I saw that, it changed my perspective on life because growing up in Clinton, it could be a pro and a con because you can be comfortable and you Mm -hmm. can get into the cycle of clocking in and clocking out and nothing beyond that. Mm -hmm. But when I went to Nigeria and like there's no governmental assistance, there's no resources unless you provide the resources for yourself i saw five-year-old kids walking around with baskets on their head like Mm -hmm. i I saw like old people like selling stuff in the street and i went into banks and i went into hotels and restaurants And everything is ran by us and it was just beautiful
0: and also your connection to the ebo tribe how did you find that out
1: oh man so that was a that was a journey but it wasn't a it wasn't a hard journey. The reason why is because earlier I mentioned that in Lawrence County, most people never left. They stayed there, and in fact, Lawrence County is named after a slave master who purchased slaves from Pennsylvania and brought them to Clinton and Lawrence and Newberry and the surrounding areas. And in those areas, um, his name is Henry Clinton Young. So Henry Clinton Young traveled to Pennsylvania to purchase slaves who, according to records, came over from Nigeria. And slave masters had to record their inventory, quote Mm -hmm. unquote. And the inventory was recorded that these slaves came from Western Africa because it wasn't Nigeria at the time. Nigeria wasn't incorporated until 1970. And it talked about where they came from. It gave some of their names, all of this stuff, and where they actually were sold. They were sold by Henry Clinton Young, who was the founder of Clinton. And at the time, it was called Five Points. So in the documents, it says they were shipped from Philadelphia to Richmond, from Richmond to Five Points. And my professional experience pretty much went back on—this is kind of spiritual, but my experience went back on the journey of the slave. For an instance, me, I was born in Clinton. I relocated from Clinton and I moved to Columbia. I moved from Columbia to Charleston. I moved from Charleston to Virginia. I moved from Virginia to DC. And then I went back to Nigeria. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like I traveled the whole experience backwards. And I went back to point A. That's awesome. I want to piggyback on something
0: you mentioned with the Henry Clinton Mm -hmm. Young. I've noticed on the ancestry, and I think it's both of our side, we have this connection to Philadelphia and I've been speaking to this lady on Ancestry, and I think you've spoken to her as well. I cannot figure out this connection to Philadelphia. It's almost like half of us were left there and half were brought to Clinton.
1: So Philadelphia, Richmond, Charleston, New Orleans were some of the major slavery ports from the cross-Atlantic slave trade. So it's very well possible that a mother was separated from her child and the child was sold and Mm -hmm. came to Clinton or came to Charleston. It's very well possible that a father fault and he punched someone and, and they they beat him and, and he mm-hmm. was shipped to the south to where we know that slavery was at extreme in the south mm-hmm. so um, as a part of punishment, they shipped them off. so I wouldn't doubt it if we didn't have relatives who were in Philadelphia. I know I've met cousins who are in, in Chicago and in California and New Orleans and all over the place because unfortunately, Africans during slavery, was separated. And mm-hmm. because they were separated, they lost contact with their family. And eventually, unfortunately, they lost contact with who they were, their their true mm-hmm. identity. And it's kind of like we have to go back and we had kind of uncover who we are in order for us to first move forward.
0: Right. I also know about the coal mine. I've been told that, like, my great grandfather, William Griffin Johnson, if that's correct, mm. he was in Philadelphia and he got stuck in a coal mine and died. So it seemed like they were always, he was working in Philadelphia, going back and forth from Philadelphia to Clinton.
1: Interesting. So that could be true. I have, my grandfather's middle name is Griffin as well, ironically. There we go. (laughs) And and he's buried at at Mount Pleasant too, where where your grandma is buried. My Um,
0: grandfather's buried there too.
1: Okay. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Well, my grandmother, I don't think that she's actually buried at, um, Mount Pleasant, but that's a whole other story. She uh, okay. buried it at another cemetery where my grandfather's buried, but everybody else is buried at so, Mount Pleasant.
1: So are they buried at Apple Archet?
0: I'm going to have to look at the obituary and see.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, The reason I even say that is because it seems to be the the popular thing to do now because Mm -hmm. it's convenient because everybody lives in the city limits and you Mm -hmm. can visit the grave without going all the way to the church so a lot of people are doing that now they're burying in the city limits so i have a similar story for my two times great-grandfather who was this is the story in 1931 he was working with europeans who settled in america and they were chopping down trees and a tree fell on him Um, And that's Mm -hmm. how he unfortunately died. And that's the only story we have. And that's what's on his, Mm -hmm. uh, I was able to locate his death certificate on ancestry. And that's what's on his death certificate as well. So um, there are a lot of unfortunate cases of stories that got back to, not us, but stories that got back to our ancestors. And Clinton, this is how your relative died. But the reality is that we don't know the true story. Well.
0: probably unfortunately never know, which is the difficult thing because they weren't records for especially us. Yeah. Yeah. Well you are definitely doing the work. I feel like Clinton is extremely proud of you. You are you. a great representative of Clinton, South Thank Carolina, you. um Lawrence County. You have, you know, your masters and graduated from American University and Don't forget Benedict. And Benedict, of course. <laughs> And your artwork is telling stories that cannot be denied and will stick through the times. How does it make you feel knowing where you've come from, where you've been, and where you're going?
1: Oh, that's a beautiful question. It it gives me chills like some of the other questions that you asked. Mm -hmm. Because um, you, I, and so many other people who are intellectuals, have the opportunity to tell a story verbally that our ancestors wouldn't necessarily have the opportunity for and to do because they wouldn't necessarily have the platform. Or if we go back farther in time, they weren't allowed to speak in public because they would be chastised. So to be living in this time and age is an amazing experience because it's almost if everything that represents who we are, every part of our DNA we're able to speak and we can discuss things that they wouldn't be able to discuss. So it's, it's so beautiful. And we can present those things in our craft. For example, if I want to paint anything that I want to paint, I can paint it. People may critique it, but still it's there. And it represents so much. Um, like you mentioned that that I'm making Clinton proud. I hope so. <laughs> I reached out to my high school history teacher to tell her that I had an art piece that's in the Library of Congress which is like the largest library in the world. And she was so happy to hear this that she actually commissioned me for a piece that's sitting in her classroom now. So now we're like when students see it, she goes and she tells a story. Hey, this is Albert. Mm-hmm. Albert went to Clinton High and blah, blah, blah. And the beauty about um, her history class is she is a European who settled in America and Clinton mm-hmm. specifically. And she was the first person that taught me where the buffalo soldier was i had no idea that there were black cowboys in america <laughs> and this is a um, white teacher yeah 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 that's so, awesome um, she sparked my interest for black history
0: Hmm. you never know where you're going to get Heather. it from yeah that's yeah. true another thing so clearly drawing paintings everybody can't do that and it's a gift right mm-hmm. and it's in the dna either a lot of times you have it or or you don't i don't have it but you clearly have it and And more importantly, a lot of people may have drawn artwork or built buildings, but they weren't able to get the credit for it. You're able to get credit for your work, which Uh, is something that we weren't able to do before.
1: Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. The reason I'm saying beautiful is because I was just reading a a documentary um, online in regards to a African who came to America as As a free African and was never enslaved in the 1700s and actually was friends with Benjamin Franklin and helped design the city of Washington DC, but didn't get credit up until the 20th century. So I am excited that we're living in a time to where we are getting credit for our craft and the true story is being told. A lot of stories have been unwritten now, like the whole story of Christopher Columbus, a European who settled here by accident, <laughs> who got the title of founder and this person who discovered the land and all of this. Um, so it's so beautiful that we're, we're in the seat and that we're able to write our own story and write it from an authentic place where generations to come will read it and it will connect with them spiritually and it will give them even a sense of identity.
0: Our grandmothers passed literally a week from each other. It was your great-grandmother, right? My grandmother. Your grandmother. How would you feel, which is a coincidence, which is strange within itself, what do you think she feels about what you're doing now and the legacy that you're creating for Mm. everyone?
1: (laughs) My grandmother Hazel... I I know that she will feel proud. The reason I say this, um, as I mentioned earlier, I'm the only grandson, and I spent so much time with my grandmother, Hazel. On your father's side. On my father's side, yeah. So my grandmother would take me to the side of her house, which she called the park. She never worked. She would stay at home, and my my grandfather worked for the city. And she would take me on scavenger hunts. (laughs) And during the time, I didn't know that this was his like historical scavenger hunts. The reason I say this is because we would go and we would find indigenous artifacts because Lawrence County is historically, it's on Cherokee land, as I mentioned before. So in the back of my grandparents' house is this reservoir where my granddad, unfortunately would make us go down the hill and to the left to get gallons of water and bring them back to the house. Because according to him, the water had healing powers (laughs) So um, when I went out with my grandmother to the reservoir, it would be a different experience. Like we would find tree carvings that the Cherokees left behind. We would find arrowheads and like all types of things that were out in the woods. Even There's even like a Cherokee cemetery that's in the woods that has like rocks and markers and all of this stuff. And it's kind of hidden. So my grandmother, I know for sure that she's proud that history is not dying with me. And that I am creating things that people will look at and they will study and history will continue to be told from generations moving forward. It's being painted through your eyes. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you for sharing that and coming on Uncovered Legacy. I appreciate you doing everything that you're doing for our people and everyone who's, who's inspired to be an artist because it's not an easy path to be an artist, right? That's something that I wish I could be, but I'm not. Thank you for that. I'm glad that DNA Ancestry has located us and for us to keep doing this work together.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for the invite. And just as a correction, yes, you are an artist. There's so many different forms (laughs) of art. You're a writer and that's creativity within itself. And speaking of art, I saw you a few weeks ago when I was in your city. So we went to the Nipsey Hussle mural Mm -hmm. and on the mural it said, the marathon continues and that's exactly what we should do we should continue the marathon and see where this journey leads us and hopefully more people will be their flame will be ignited to uncover their legacies
0: thank you i received that small towns can make giants of men Small towns create leaders that are sent out into the world to impact society. Clinton, South Carolina, is a sound of a train on the railroad tracks. The feeling of a village that is raising a child. The local grocery store owner that knows you by name. The southern hospitality with values that are inside your DNA are something that no one can take away. Albert's art paints a picture of our past, present and future for all of us to see in his great glory. Thank you for listening to Uncovered Legacy.